Welcome to Why the Long Face, two old friends lifting the lid on mental health over a beer with author and psychiatrist Paul Keedwell and business consultant and so-called comedian Ollie Turnbull. Hi, and welcome to episode three of Why the Long Face. Welcome, 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 welcome. So this episode, Oliver... Um, yes. We've both been reading articles on this subject. It seems to be popping up everywhere about microdosing. Oh, it's on point. It's on point. It's on point. It's on point. definitely fresh. It seems to be uh, de rigueur amongst the executives of on both sides of the channel. The oh, the Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't know about Europe, actually. Ah, le macrodose. Le microdose. Le microdose. It's le microdose. Le microdose, oui. It's uh, an Italia macrodose. Um, right, listen, doctor. <laughs> uh, define microdosing. Right. So microdosing is taking a tiny amount of a psychedelic drug. Always psychedelic. Which is generally about 10% of the dose that you'd take to have a trip to get high. And it first applied to LSD. Mm. the average dose to get high would have been about 100 micrograms. Yeah, generally. And a microdose is 10 to 20. Oh, right. So it's not an absolute insignificant amount. With, with the purpose of enhance, not getting high, but enhancing your performance. Okay. Very good that definition. microdosing. Right. But like I say, it's not an invisible, infinitesimal amount. It's just significantly less than the, than the usual dose, a tenth thereof. But... Whatever. But critically, a um, a subperceptual uh, dose. In other words, you're not um, you're so not supposed to be aware that you've taken it. In right. terms of, you're not supposed to be aware of having a buzz. Got it. Or a high. All right. And about ten percent. And and in this context, we are talking about psychedelic drugs, by which you mean the famous, primarily LSD. LSD. And then the main component in my magic mushrooms. Psilocybin. Psilocybin, which is also being but people used would to take just powdered magic mushrooms. So it, with that, that's what people are generally doing if they're microdosing on psilocybin, rather than getting hold of the pure derivative of magic mushroom. Got it. So they're probably finding that it's it's less the, the dosing is less reliable than if they take um, I don't know a bit of LSD, you know, a tiny bit of a LSD blotter pad. Golly, it's quite cost-effective then. How much? Uh, how much is a tab these days, uh, uh, doctor? Well, you say it's cost-effective, but these things are illegal, so it depends really on on how difficult it is to obtain. But right. yeah, it's going to be cheaper than um, than um, you know having a high. Yeah, or t- a tenth. <laughs> anyway, you can get it on the dark web. Actually, no, we don't. One thing, by the way, if you're listening to this, thinking that we're going to go into a load of how do you get hold of this stuff, we're definitely not going to do that. No dark web or or someone knows a dealer i don't know in the case of magic mushrooms you can buy growing kits that are sent to you oh right okay and you grow them yourself and then you prepare them yourself is that illegal yes right okay but it still happens we better make that clear yeah yeah no it's illegal then the penalties are harsh it's a class a drug the magic mushroom so we're not we're not uh, uh condoning this we're no 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 we'll, we'll i mean yeah straight away we have to say it's illegal an illegal practice and we're not condoning it in any way but i am certainly interested in I'm I'm interested in it from a therapeutic point of view. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where did it start? So it's widely thought to have started about ten years ago in San Francisco. And uh, not that long. No. Blimey. Um, and it was. I think it got a bit zeitgeisty in 2011. 
with the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide, written by American psychologist and researcher James Fadiman, uh, which introduced the term microdosing for the first time into popular culture. Cool. Um, and it set out appropriate doses. It was almost like a uh, cookery book for, uh, <laughs> you know, enhancing your performance in Silicon Valley. Um, I, I, you know, because that was the typical context. It would be someone really just uh, wanting to get up a greasy pole as as efficiently as possible. So um, that's interesting. And managing their stress levels and anxiety levels, taking um, 10 micrograms of LSD every three days. Uh, so so what, how much of a trip is that? A tenth of a trip every once every three days? Yeah. Blimey, that is a tiny amount. And um, and one thing you said, I just want to make this clear, was the original intent to enhance performance as opposed to product, treat productivity, yeah. right, rather than treat mental illness. And, it, and there were glowing first-hand reports, yeah, in this book, right. Productivity, as in you could work longer or better or both, improved concentration and improved stamina as well, right. So microdosage, it it sort of gives the impression tiny, 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 but it's not invisible. Uh, there is no relation, I am assuming, but no, it's not. It's between. <laughs> it's not homeopathy, no. Exactly what I was going to ask. Deleted to less than one molecule. Exactly. So homeopathy is when you dilute uh, a small amount of active ingredient many, many times, up to a hundred times, I believe. To to the point where it's like uh, one drop of water in the ocean. Or indeed, there are probably no molecules of the active ingredient. Almost in certainly the, no. Uh, or you'd be you'd be un, very unlikely there would be a molecule of the original active ingredient. And the way your eyebrows are makes me think that you think homeopathy might not be 100% reliable. If it works for you, go for it. It's placebo, though. Completely. <laughs> right, completely 100% placebo. 100%, 100% yeah. placebo. It's water. Mm. So what... what um, Unless you believe it has memory for the uh, molecule that was once Well, that's in. the theory, isn't it? Yeah. What I love about homeopathy is that they say, I've been seeing it on the Facebook recently, on the Facebook, on Facebook recently, they've been saying homeopathy works in conjunction with more traditional medicine. <laughs> so open heart surgery plus a drop of water <laughs> will help your cardiac as, problem well no it's not it's not saying that it's saying open heart surgery plus a drop of water on your tongue will be just as effective as open heart surgery <laughs> i'm surprised i should imagine it's more effective than just open heart surgery. because if you if you took any placebo it'd probably help yeah yeah no, that's true actually you'd um, feel better. so you know me i like the science you like the science mm. uh what is the science that you found behind placebo effect of microdosing oh the anecdotal evidence mm. is definitely stronger than the scientific evidence okay I mean, and that pretty much covers all claims for LSD and psilocybin insofar as they help with reducing negative emotions, helping with addictions of various sorts, helping with anxiety and terminally ill cancer patients. Most of these studies that have been done, very rarely has there been a placebo control in any of these trials. Right? Difficult so, to do one, I suppose. Yeah, and some have just... Um, there was one trial, one, one study that actually it followed, it was just naturalistic, it followed 90 people that happened to be microdosing. And in every case, they expected to be a kind of panacea. And the results were very equivocal in that study. They even suggested that there was a mild increase in neuroticism in a proportion. And the only consistent finding was that it stopped their minds from wandering. So that was in the microdosing of LSD. Psilocybin right. might be, have more potential uh, there was a placebo-controlled study which showed that it did separate from placebo, but only in 11 cancer patients. 
but they definitely had marked reductions in anxiety and without any significant adverse effects. But I don't think that was microdosing. I think that was higher doses of of psilocybin. John Hopkins, I know, is following up uh, this pilot study, which is kind of eight years old now, and doing some proper trials. So that was that was kind of encouraging, I think. So it's equivocal. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? You'd have thought that the uh, focus would be the last thing that you'd get out of um, something like LSD, for example. Well, it's microdosing. Where you, um, no, no, that's right. Yeah. The, the layman would say, even though it's microdosing, you'd expect it to be, uh, well, this is one of my questions later, really. Oh, expect you to spin out and, and start well, being distracted by hallucinations and so on. To have the same effect, but less of it, if you if you see what right. I mean. So, no, well, uh, to have mm, a trip, as it were, mm, but a less trip. So for to, to have a yeah. completely opposite type effect is a bit counterintuitive, really, but... Like you say, microdosing. Well, that's you know, that's that's the history of microdosing. You know, that increases concentration, improves concentration, improves focus, improves productivity. That was the big sell for LSD, and the anecdotal evidence seems overwhelming. But when you start to look at trial data, it's thin on the ground. Now, I can't say that, you know, there's no evidence for its benefit. What I can say is little good scientific trial-based evidence Uh and more work needs to be done. It's surprising. Well, in a way, it's not surprising that this sort of research hasn't been funded because Uh it's controversial. And new, I guess? Uh, Not new. I mean, people were using LSD uh, therapeutically in the 60s. Uh, Psilocybin has been shown, this is at John Hopkins as well, uh, in the context of um, structured psychological program of smoking cessation, there was an 80% response rate in terms of abstinence from tobacco in that study. Although it wasn't placebo-controlled trial, if you compare that success rate to success rate of taking um say zyban or something like that another smoking cessation tablet that you're talking about a 35 percent success rate that sounds know. amazing and it was a microdose okay let's get this right that wasn't a microdose oh right okay so it's difficult to extrapolate from those studies um why do you say it wasn't a microdose you mean it was a proper trip that people would have to stop smoking well people don't necessarily trip on magic mushrooms unless they're taking excessive uh, quantity so a lot of people take uh, magic mushrooms recreationally to feel more stimulated um, perhaps have heightened um, awareness Um, and it's a different experience to LSD which you know where you have to be very very careful I mean I think we both think you have to be careful with the dosing just talking about dosing again I've just got a question about um, drugs doing different things at different doses Uh, it's not something I know much about but Mm. um, at, at high dose you get a very uh, likely um, hallucinogenic effect. But at low dose, you get a, a focusing effect. Mm. Is it unusual for drugs to have a, diff- a, a quite radically different effect on the human mind or body, dependent on the dose? Is that unusual or is it perfectly normal? No, that's not unusual. Oh, right. Okay. No, I mean, some drugs have a very, very, what we call narrow therapeutic window. Mm. Ket- ketamine, for example... Um, which I think we should cover in another app. Uh, I think we've got it on the slate, haven't we? Yeah. Mm. You, even if you give people uh, microdoses or small doses of it, um, there's still quite there's still a high probability that they'll have some kind of perceptual distortion that they find potentially unpleasant. Right. Whereas uh, small doses of magic mushrooms, I don't think you're running that risk, and it's acting more like a stimulant at a low dose. 
and less like in a hallucinogen. And you have to take a, um, a decent amount of magic mushrooms, quite a lot actually, to start hallucinating. So what is the difference in terms of what is happening in your brain to the action of LSD versus the action of um, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms? Is one just less potent than the other? Or yeah, I'd say so. Well, okay. no, the LSD is, is, is definitely a much more potent hallucinogen than, uh, than psilocybin. And so, I mean, psilocybin is a naturally occurring chemical. It doesn't mean it's not harmful, of course, but uh, it's possibly that's why it's less potent. LSD was developed in a lab. Yeah. Um, so what we've been talking about is people taking it to enhance their performance, which is um, sort of counter to how I thought this discussion would go. Because there's also the angle of using microdosing of these two drugs particularly mm. uh, in order to... Uh, have a therapeutic effect on someone suffering from depression, anxiety, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, is that as well documented? Well, the the other is not that well documented, but is it as well observed as the um, the usage of microdosing for improved performance, the therapeutic effects of it? That is. The the one main trial was carried out here in London uh, by Robin Carhart Harris in conjunction with Professor David Nutt, and they found a a fairly marked improvement in people with refractory depression, treatment-resistant depression, and, and, and a good proportion of them responded. But it wasn't placebo-controlled. So mm. we need those placebo-controlled trials. Because, sure, sure. you know, the, the response rate was pretty close to a placebo rate uh, in an average trial. But at the same time, we have to be aware that these patients are supposedly treatment-resistant. So mm. a 40%... Um, Remission rate, even if it's temporary, is yep. quite remarkable. So, sorry, let me get this straight. Um, by the way, kudos to Professor Nutt, actually a nutty professor, uh, li quite literally. When it, when you say it was the same as the placebo effect, the same as the placebo effect when you apply placebo to resistant depression or when you apply the placebo to any kind of depression? In the refractory group, it may be lower. I don't know. Yeah, no, you'd have, you'd have thought. My point is this, right? So, this, when I was researching this, I remember thinking, uh, it, it seems a bit weird that something that is so closely associated with um, halluc psychedelic halluc uh, hallucinations could ever possibly help someone who's um, suffering from depression, particularly a resistant type of depression. Mm. But then I wondered, I, I'm thinking, w w you know, what is it, what could possibly be happening? And is there anything to do with the fact that people who have uh, described trips mm. and um, having a, a, a kind of... Uh, um, uh, almost metaphysical experience on drugs mm. it seems like the brain gets shifted into a different mode than is usual so people say they can see the color of music yeah, yeah. or they can taste music or something it's not as if synesthesia ah it's even got a name the synthesis it's, of the di different senses yeah. yeah it's not as if it's it's not as if it's um something that you associate with cocaine which is the brain speeding up or something with like morphine or or marijuana or alcohol, where that you get a bit more mellow. It's actually like the brain is functioning in a different way and giving you completely different well, you, sensations. You can you can, mm, you can hallucinate on cocaine, by the way. Take enough of it, or if you're susceptible, or indeed alcohol. Anyway, my point is, uh, which I will get out if it's the last thing I do. It, it, do you think there could be? I mean, you. you, you I want to play a game now. Where you, I keep interrupting. You. No, I quite like that. It's a game mm. called. Uh, however long I've known you. <laughs> so um, it's basically... I feel very proud. No, no, you, you should be. You are the mm. most irritating man I've ever met. So congratulations. Great, great. <laughs> no, because the, the, ob the object is always to irritate you. I know, 
I yeah, I don't irritate everyone to the same extent. Well, when I was in my twenties, I wasn't irritable. I was, but now, now it's easy. Bit gammon. Now that my the, the the skin on the bottom of my chin has started to wobble every time I get up tight. Uh, it must be even more. You always used to pick poke you in the uh, ear with a with a stick when you were trying to sleep. Oh no, that I didn't like that very much. And up the nose as well. Yeah, with a stick. Always with a well, stick. Well, just with gently. A bit of grass so you think it. it was a fly? Coming. Yeah. Anyway, you have to be quite subtle to make me not fully wake up. Uh, anyway, enough of uh, reminiscing of how the different <coughs> types of bullying have evolved. You will get your point out. I will you get, will my get point. your point. I will out. get my point. That is one thing that, that, that middle-aged portly white guys are good at, and that is finally getting their point out. I, from the Farage school of... Uh, All right, get on with it. Contitude. Um, so, no, my point was, if uh, the active ingredient in these drugs allows you to sort of shift state into something uh, um, completely um, divorced from how the brain usually thinks, mm. I wonder if deep depression or resistant depression also is in a slightly abnormal mode. And maybe there's something, and this is completely ridiculous theory, maybe there's something about uh, the action of a drug that makes the brain act in completely different ways that kind of shifts you out of that. Mm. Is there any possibility that that might be true? I'm just going to say, no, let's move on. No, I, I can't say no, can I? Because I don't know. But uh, <laughs> one thing, what, the, there have been some quite interesting um, imaging, brain imaging studies that oh, have suggested so. that taking um, psilocybin increases uh, connectivity um, across different brain networks oh yeah so uh, and that sort of uh, is seductive because it it fits with this idea of most people's egos being too closed in you know that we have um we're a bit closed off from each other and a bit closed off from nature and people describe when they take psychedelics that those borders come down and you feel much more akin there's much more affinity with nature and with everybody else and you you get these sort of moments of insight great insight and gravitas God, i could murder a tab right now and in, you? let's drop one man i'm no, sure I'm i could drop one right now so um you know that you can't dismiss these accounts you know they're they're very interesting and I, if, if you're showing as well that there's an, there's an increase in in blood flow or activity uh, that is widespread across the brain you can imagine that that might do the opposite to what you might expect hmm. in that it's 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 it, well i suppose that's what literally it's mind expanding isn't it yeah you know i'm gasping for a tab so uh the same so you're probably you know you're reinforcing some unhelpful networks in depression almost certainly and exhausting some of the uh, systems that normally combat anxiety and stress and maybe this um, rejuvenates them by rebooting the brain in ways we don't fully understand, mm. but uh, creates some positive connections, positive new connections that are helpful. Yeah. It will be mm. fascinating to see that. Um, so a rebalancing, if you like. It's a very seductive idea, but we're still a long way off from having um, some good placebo-controlled evidence for, for these psychedelics. Um, Ketamine is a different story. It's moved on a bit faster. And we'll come to that again. I mean, you could ketamine actually, arguably, is a psychedelic as well. We're going to squeeze out a whole ep on ketamine after this. Oh, there's loads on ketamine. Really? Oh yeah. I fancy a bit of that now. We've got a bit of a history of ketamine as well. It's it's it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, I'll, take, good, I'll take your word for it. Tell a good story. But anyway, we're still on this episode, man. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of. <laughs> I think I might have dropped something. Any any yes. other questions in your long large canon of uh, difficult questions? 
Well, I've got a, I've got a, yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of things. One, one is, it seems, it seems like from the outside, you could say uh, microdosing on a very, very strong hallucinogen can possibly cure depression, anxiety, mm. other mental illnesses. It sounds a bit like, or even a slightly larger dose of psilocybin, which is less potent. Yeah, it sounds a bit sort of random, really. But then, so does some. Um, effects of antidepressants because if you, as you said before we don't really understand at the very bottom level how any antidepressant works from the tricyclics not, not without opening your uh, brain uh, someone's brain up and yeah, having a look because we can't do that very bad, bad, bad um, what, what we can do is infer very bad results what we can do is infer which receptors they bind to um, from animal studies where you can be a bit more invasive in your research methods mm. um or from, we can infer it from post-mortem studies. We say which bits of the brain appear to be, you know, more, more active and, or, or and which not. Or we can do some neuroimaging studies. But these are quite clumsy macro uh, investigations. You know, they're not mm. detailed. They're not at the neurotransmitter level. But Yeah, well, my point was in favour of microdosing, really, in that although we don't know exactly why, because, you know, we know how um, antibiotics work, but we don't really know how SSRIs work. So what's so bad uh, about experimenting, in quotes, with a drug that has a bad rep and is illegal if we think that there's a, a chance of um, a chance for a good outcome for the patient? Uh, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, the, the, the message should be not to just go out and start microdosing because the um, this could be absolutely a placebo response. At this stage, I'd say, by all means, sign up to the trials that are going on. Um, there, there are many trials going on, actually, um, at the Centre of Effective Disorders in London, but also at John Hopkins. They're particularly strong on it, but all across America as well. There, are, there are programs, and <clears throat> and these are happen, happening controlled conditions. So there's a reduced risk of you having an adverse reaction and so on and so forth, and and not having any support. Professor Nutt would say that uh, taking a psychedelic is going to be less harmful than drinking heavily, or uh, or taking or smoking cannabis. Um, oh, you sold me! I, I am I going out now. We're, we're, we're quite close to Brixton. I am going out and getting myself a fistful of trips. No, you're not. Okay, I you're too square. I'm a bit square, uh, but also I love... you'd be rubbish at approaching a drug dealer. Oh, I tried it once when I was a student. Absolutely terrible. No. I think I started with "Excuse me." <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm so polite. Excuse me. Do you yeah. have any hashish? Yeah, like you're going to the corner shop. Well, almost like you're approaching one of your father's friends. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Do you have any? And I think I think I asked if he had Rizzlers as well, and mm. actually he didn't. Mm. And he he told me he didn't by going fuck off. So we've got to think about why it is that these are Class A drugs and why they're so trained upon by by government agencies. And it's because this is thought that they're, they're very potent and uh, if people aren't careful about how what doses they ingest, they can um, end up with psychological scarring. That's the flashbacks that you can get from LSD. Or with LSD, there have been, of course, high-profile cases of people jumping off tall buildings and so on, thinking they can fly as part of their hallucinatory experiences and coming to... You know, to, to Don't say coming down if you're saying flying off tall buildings. Uh, coming to a sticky end, <laughs> you can say. And, and there'll probably be a backlash against 
the research that's going on now. But there, we've got to be sure that there isn't an irrational reaction based on you know a few um, case studies of people taking too much of these drugs. Mm. So it, it needs to be balanced. Um, I think, and Professor Nutwood has also said that um, there is a small but theoretical risk of um, uh, continued microdosing of, of, of LSD causing narrowing of the heart valves. I saw that. Mm. That doesn't sound good. Surely yeah. you need those valves to be at a certain you width. Want it, you want them to be, yeah, you want them to be nice and <laughs> reasonable width. Yeah, yeah. So therefore narrowing must be a very, very bad thing. Yeah, you need the blood to get through. That's what I thought. Yeah, I'm in a nice, timely ma manner. <laughs> nice, timely manner. And not at 50,000 miles an hour if they get to, uh, yeah. So that's, uh, well, I think you've, you've answered my next question, which was downsides. Uh, and mm. you think you've uh, done that quite well. I don't think um, LSD is something that's addictive, is it? Well, there's no physiological addiction to, to stimulants, really. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's possible for for people to get psychologically dependent on them. I mean, um, I'd say cocaine is a little bit more addictive um, uh, of all the stimulants we've talked about. But I, I, I don't think that, yeah, I don't think the um, dependence risk is, is that high, uh, provided you're not the, a, an individual who is very prone to addictive behaviour. There is certainly a, a risk that you might feel that you... You need to take these drugs just to get by, just yeah, to function. That's right, just to keep a level. Um, if you decided that this was, if you convinced yourself as a doctor that this was a legitimate treatment, two questions. One, which would you which would you start with? Mm. Would you start at the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, uh, which uh, I'm trying to psilocybin, psilocybin, or, or uh, LSD? So the shrooms or the the shrooms or the tab? Mm. Uh, that's my first question. Which would you start with? And the second one is: Would you use these in conjunction with a more, let's call it, traditional um, drug, mm. or do you see this as being a potentially a treatment well, all by itself? Well, often these are add-ons to certainly in treat people with treatment-resistant depression. Those small trials have been done. They've generally been in addition to their as uh, treatment as usual. Um, but. Um, the answer is, of course, I'd go with the one that's got the, the strongest evidence for its effectiveness. So if, if psilocybin's got greater evidence uh, base than, than LSD, then I'd go with that. Unfortunately, that may be just because it's less controversial than LSD, and that's why more funding's gone that way. Um, let, let's, let's not forget that there's a huge stigma around these Class A drugs. They're mm. illegal the moral majority if you like are probably quite reluctant to be funding this kind of research but thank goodness for tim ferris who's been campaigning yeah well done ferris <laughs> to get millions <laughs> donated to john hopkins to do yeah, yeah, yeah more and more research on psychedelics and a lot of these this research is multilateral multinational mm. multi-center um, so oh, we're going like to get we're like going to get some data for, we're going to get some big data soon yeah it's like the treatment of uh, it's the use of cannabis oil um in uh, epilepsy childhood epilepsy etc mm. the, the the moral majority minority middle england buffers who go well cannabis legal cannabis is a drug it's like uh, it's like heroin and you go it's very much like heroin which is diamorphine which is the thing that help, helped you know your mother had to have a dignified end it's the same drug you know mm. it's this idea of narcotic drugs versus medical drugs and mm. people's ignorance moral you know. panic moral panic i mean basically 
if you go to a hospice and you're dying of an agonizing cancer, you die as a heroin addict. Uh, yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, and not as an addict, but you you would be uh, on a reg- yeah. Well, I suppose that's actually true. Yeah. Yeah. Or you may you, you and and so and we actually increasingly don't have such a big issue with people being given uh, cannabis-based drugs or ketamine hmm. uh, for end of life, or even psilocybin, as I mentioned. Yeah, and quite right too. I mean, the the only reason that drugs are known as um, narcotic drugs is that people have been able to get but, pleasure out of them when there's nothing wrong with them. But it's important to make a, a qualification, um, though, on this, in that um, it's unlike, it's always dangerous to say, um, well, a psychological problem can be solved purely by taking a drug. So, the re- you know, so a good example is the um, smoking cessation trial that I mentioned. The author was um, at pains to say that although the, the results are positive, this doesn't mean that people who are wanting to quit smoking should just go out and take some uh, psilocybin because they're not getting all the uh, psychological treatment alongside it. Fair. And what Very fair. what seemed to happen, he was arguing, was that the mind-expanding nature of the experience helped boost your motivation such that you would engage with the psychological work more. Mm. In other words, there was a synergy between the drug and the psychological input. Yeah, I mean, I and think... you could probably argue that that is the same... Sorry to interrupt me, but I was going to say that um, the real potential for these drugs is probably in uh, its interaction with psychotherapy for all sorts of conditions, including um, one one sort of program of research that I looked at, which has not concluded its results yet, but looking at war veterans with PTSD. So doing that kind of exposure work Mm. that you need to do with PTSD sufferers, but in conjunction with taking um, a psychedelic. Yeah, there's a massive difference, isn't there, between um, the treatment of psychological issues, mental illness, and there is in physical. I mean, my point about dimorphine being heroin mm. Uh, mm. is it's a little bit more. It's a bit easier because it's a physical thing. Uh, a, yeah, you're using it pain, for pain relief. relief. Yeah, and um, probably its use as a pain relief became before it became used as a recreational drug as well, which always helps. Mm. It's just slightly hypocritical for people to. Um, uh, poo-poo the use of something like cannabis oil um, or indeed maybe LSD if it works when <laughs> it has a potential to have so much um, to relieve so much suffering yeah and it's probably less dangerous than alcohol and that's the other thing I mean and also you can overdose on um, headache pills and you can also become addicted to um, prescription things that you can get over the counter yeah. yeah it's funny people's perception you get it in boots it's okay you get it from shady people with long coats it's obviously not okay but actually it's just chemicals which have an effect on your brain mm. and the body well of course if if something is uh, manufactured and provided by a government rated pharmaceutical company it has very different connotations from a drug that's obtained from a dealer yeah right exactly if john hopkins is is uh, are prescribing you psychedelics then they are have got those from a legitimate legitimate source do you love John Hopkins? They produce those drugs themselves. Do you love John Hopkins and Professor Nutt? Um, I, 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 I'm emotionally neutral, actually. But I admire him. I admire them. I admire them. I admire them. Um, <clears throat> any other questions for nope. me, Oliver Turnbull? I'm done. I'm done, Paul Kilo. I am. I've learnt a lot, as ever. 
um, about microdosing. I've learned that microdosing is not the most infinitesimal amount of a drug, but it's significantly less than is commonly used. I've learned that drugs have different effects at different doses. Uh, and I've learned that there are some, but not enough um, studies which show that there is a, an effect both in terms of performance and potentially staving off slash helping with the more resistant end of the depressive scale, which is actually quite exciting. And I've also rekindled my my thinking in terms of a drug is a drug. But, uh, but also... It doesn't make it any or less legitimate. Yeah, uh, we mentioned depression, but also just to say that they do have therapeutic potential, it seems, in anxiety disorders uh, and addictions and end-of-life care as well. Wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, bring that I think we're done and we'll I see you next time um, please do tune in um, go to our website yeah. uh, please do email us at uh, hi at ytlf.com yeah. um, uh. website is, is com. we're on Facebook um, please do rate us on the podcasting apps or as long as it's five stars anything less than five, five stars, stars just don't bother five stars only no we're kidding we, we like to hear what you think positive and I'm negative. not kidding <laughs> I'll find you four star review I'll find you <laughs> and I will kill you I have a unique set of skills um, okay see you next time Thanks. bye for now. bye